In the name of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning I thought about asking us to do something very non-Episcopalian. It's a common turn, turn of phrase in Baptist congregations to ask you all to turn to your neighbor and XYZ. That's right. But I know it's early and we're all a bit nervous about that kind of thing, so <laughs> rather than pushing and stretching us to our breaking point, I'll simply invite you to observe this morning. As the service goes on, and even while I'm talking, be bold and look around you. Most churches have this kind of lecture-style preaching where you feel like you have to stay laser-focused on what the speaker is saying for fear that you're not paying attention or fear of looking rude to the preacher. But don't worry about that this morning. You can be engaged while observing the space and the people around you, I promise. Observe the space and what's around you. The beauty of this place of worship keeps many of us coming back. Observe the smells and the sounds. We're so blessed to have the gift of stunning music and an excellent organist and choir. Observe the silence. And of course, observe your neighbor. Who's around you? When you look around, who do you see? And just as importantly, observe yourself. What do you feel as you observe your neighbor? Is there love or anger, joy or resentment, empathy or maybe fear? Our gospel text from Luke this morning gives us such a strong opening line that should catch our attention. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. They were watching him closely. Ugh. <laughs> it kind of makes you shudder a bit, doesn't it? It's not something that many people would want to hear about themselves. They're watching you closely. And of course, we know why the Pharisees were watching Jesus closely. And we know the ending. He was a troublemaker, not to be trusted. They were always watching him, observing him, trying to catch him up in their web of laws and rights and wrongs. Don't heal on the Sabbath. Don't touch that person. Don't heal her. She's not one of us. Don't speak to that kind of woman. Don't give him anything. He'll just squander it. Don't invite them over for dinner. Don't sit with those kinds of people. They don't deserve our company. They were watching him closely. In some ways, our gospel text this morning is asking two simple questions. Who are you going to have dinner with and where will you sit? But in other ways, it's asking so much more of us. Why is it important to pay attention? Who constitutes the Christian community? And why is it so hard to love your neighbor sometimes? Maybe most of the time. Jesus never misses a moment to challenge the expectations of his culture. 
Here, he's just invited over for dinner at a religious leader's house. And in the ancient world, and even still in a way, where you sit at the table matters. Think of your typical Easter lunch or Thanksgiving dinner. We're creatures of habit, so don't we typically have places where we sit? And doesn't the head of the table still carry some weight for us, culturally, a little bit? Well, in Jesus' culture, it was extremely significant. The most important person would sit at the head of the table, and the, the places nearest to him, which would have been a man, so it would certainly be him, were the places of honor. The places grew less and less important the further down the table you went. This is why, for example, you see other places in the Gospels where the disciples are arguing, arguing about who is to sit at Jesus' right hand and his left. It's important. Those places mean something. And to be chosen for those places would be the height of honor. So Jesus gives some simple advice. When you're invited to eat with someone, choose the lowest seat rather than the highest, so that you may be invited up and honored rather than asked to move and be disgraced. Seems easy enough, not too controversial. But I think it becomes a bit more complicated if you think about your own intentions there. Is that kind of performative humility pretty transparent in the end? Seems like if you pull that party trick too often, people will start to see through it. And of course, Jesus goes on. When you invite people to your brunch, don't invite your friends or your family or your rich neighbors so that you expect to be invited to their house in return. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. In other words, invite people who can't pay you back. Invite people who can't return the favor. Ah, there's the sticking point. There's that spot where you can't really falsify your humility. He's basically saying, don't schmooze your meals away for your own gain. And now there's a cultural practice that's never really gone out of style. But I will say here, there's a line that we can't skip over. Jesus finishes this cultural challenge by promising that if you invite those who can't pay you back, you will actually be repaid in the end. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There's certainly a danger here of falling into a kind of scorekeeping religion. And to be frank, the person in need who you gift with anything really doesn't care about your intentions. A person who's starving doesn't care if you're doing it for your own gain. They're just hungry. And it's right to feed them either way. But you should care. You should care about your intentions because God cares. And it's good to feel joy when you help someone in need. It's good to change our intentions and our practices simply because God says we should. The word and character of God is a gift to us that helps us order our lives towards the richness of the kingdom. 
So it's important to observe ourselves and examine why we do what we do and for whom we do it. The Gospel of Luke has this particular emphasis on perceiving. The text this morning is about watching and noticing. The Pharisees were watching Jesus closely, and Jesus was watching the guests, noticing them choosing their places at the table. It challenges us to notice our own perceptions. When you look around you this morning at your neighbors, are you seeing with the eyes of the Pharisees, or are you seeing with the eyes of God? The Pharisees are watchful of wrongdoing, wrong action, wrong clothing, wrong behavior. Jesus is watchful of dynamics and power. Who's invited and why? Where do they sit and what does it mean? Our Hebrews text tells us to let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. In other words, see everything and everyone around you with the eyes of God. My favorite prayer that we pray on Sundays is bless all those whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. I love it because it always makes me think, whose lives are actually closely linked with mine? That could mean anything from the people I interact with on a daily basis, but also who I'm driving next to, and they need a particular blessing. Why do, where, from who do I buy my clothes and my groceries? Who am I frowning at on the sidewalk? It doesn't mean I have to be constantly chipper and friendly or upbeat but it does mean I have to consider whose day or whose life am I impacting. The joy of breaking down cultural expectations of the seating assignments at the table comes from seeing as God sees. It's the joy of being a truly egalitarian community where the means of assessing worth are utterly eliminated. And that frees everyone. What would it be like for all of us to be freed from that kind of evaluation? So observe and watch closely, but watch with the eyes of God. See the way that Jesus sees. Make this a practice and don't expect a reward. Let mutual love continue not by simply doing good deeds, but by embodying God's generosity and love. In doing the ethics of God, the reward is beloved community, where all are freed from the expectations of the world and invited into the joy of the kingdom. Amen.